and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast, a podcast aimed at making your quilting life more fun and creative while connecting with quilters just like you. Join the staff of the magazines you love for a great episode filled with tips and tricks. Enjoy! Hi, and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast. I'm Lindsay Mayland, and I'm so excited to be here with you. This week on the podcast, I asked our staff to think of a recent upgrade they've made that really made a difference in their sewing lives. I love hearing people's experiences like this. Sometimes it's the smallest things that make the biggest impact, and sometimes it's the big dream things that finally become a reality that create that magic in your sewing space. So I hope you also enjoy hearing from our staff on their upgrades, and maybe it'll get you thinking about some ways you can upgrade your own sewing life. Because as quilters, we know that quilting is more than a hobby. It's a way of life, and we all deserve to treat ourselves every once in a while. We also chat with the amazing Amy Smart of Diary of a Quilter. She is just a blast, and we know you'll love hearing all she has to say, so let's dive on in. So to start, I wanted to share a way I upgraded my sewing life. A few years ago, I challenged myself to try a new sewing technique each month. It was a fun way for me to learn something new, get out of my comfort zone, and check off some bucket list items. So some of the items I tackled were sewing with wool, hand sewing, sewing curves, and foundation paper piecing. And these were all things I either had never tried before or wanted to get better at. So I spent each month trying the skill on just a small project while also doing some reading or watching videos on the topic and following designers on social media who were doing gorgeous quilts with these techniques. And I learned so much and I gained something really incredible. And this was a no fear way to approach quilting. Because I forced myself to be a beginner in all of these different techniques and was accepting of the fact that I may suck at some of these things and not like some things, <laughs> I opened myself up to a lot of new interests. So for example, I, I probably never would have tackled hand piecing but after trying it, I found that I love it, and I now have an ongoing hand-pieced project. Um, and then on the other hand, I also really discovered that I do not like foundation paper piecing. And while I may confidently be able to do it if I needed to, I, I would not choose patterns that feature that technique. The whole experience made me more open to learning, to failing and to tackling projects that maybe I once thought were too hard for me. Now, I'm not suggesting that everyone do this year-long journey the same way I did, but I do think putting yourself out there to try something new brings a richness to your sewing life and opens up more opportunities for what and even how you create your projects. Hey, this is Allison, the designer of Quilts and More magazine. The biggest upgrade to my sewing life has actually happened in the last year. 
Due to COVID and working from home, I had to adjust my sewing space to also work as an office. The desk where I usually sit and sew is now where I have my computer. I have a collapsible table set up where I have my machine and cutting mat. The table height is adjustable and when I first set it up, I put it around hip height so it'd be perfect for cutting. However, I didn't really want to keep adjusting the table up and down for when I wanted to sit and sew. Pretty soon, I just started standing and sewing with the table at hip height. This has been such an amazing discovery. I love sewing while standing up. Since I have a desk job and sit most of the day, it feels so good to be able to stand up and sew. It's nice to be on my feet and not have to get up and down to cut or go to my ironing station. Plus, I can tell it's been so much easier on my back and shoulders. Sometimes it's easy to lose track of time when you're sitting and sewing, which can cause you to be stiff. I found that by standing, I'm inherently moving more, which makes me feel a bit better about how I'm treating my body when sewing for hours at a time. When the time comes that I'm no longer needing to work from home and my original sewing table is freed up, I don't think I'm going to go back to it. I'm Jody, editor of American Patchwork and Quilting. I've been quilting since 1989 and have bought a lot of tools, gadgets, and notions over the last 30 plus years. The thing that has improved my sewing life is to now buy the best quality tools that I can afford. As a new quilter with limited resources, I usually bought the least expensive tools, and that sometimes resulted in some frustrated experiences with seam rippers, scissors, rotary cutters, and rulers. What I have discovered is that you often do get what you pay for. Tools that cost a little more probably are made with better materials and have invested more into research and development. Also, I consider how often I'll be using the tool when calculating the cost of an item. Do I tend to make quilts where I'm trimming lots of triangle squares? If so, the ruler that locks the seam allowances when trimming is worth the extra expense compared to one that slips more easily. I'll now make sure that I have the tools, gadgets, and notions that make the quilting process fun and enjoyable for me. I'm Doris, editor of Quilt Sampler magazine. I learned to quilt as a teenager, but I didn't really take it up until my late 20s. In the 20 years since, I've upgraded many times and in multiple ways. I went from not having any dedicated sewing space in my home to having an entire room just for my sewing stuff. But I think the upgrade that made the most difference in my sewing life was when I finally got a table that I could drop my machine down into. So my machine was at the correct height ergonomically for me. My husband helped me make that first drop-in table using an Ikea table, some plywood, and a jigsaw. It was life-changing for my neck and for my spine. Today I have a commercial sewing table with the hydraulic lift for dropping my machine to the correct level. If you change only one thing, I recommend it be a table that puts your machine at just the right height for you. Hi, I'm Beth, and I'm the Promotions Manager at American Patchwork and Quilting. One thing that has upgraded my sewing life is my cutting table. One day I was walking through Home Depot for a DIY project and spotted a workbench on wheels that looked like it would be the perfect cutting table. It's an adjustable height so I can easily crank it up or down for the perfect cutting height. And because it has wheels, I can store it against the wall in my sewing space, but roll it away from the wall when I'm using it. 
I like to walk around my cutting table when I'm cutting, so this makes it so much easier. Another benefit of it being an adjustable height is I can make it the same height as my sewing table if I need a little more table space to spread out a quilt for basting. It's also great when I'm using my domestic machine for quilting to help support the weight of the quilt. I can even use it as an ironing surface with a wool ironing mat. It's such a versatile piece and it was relatively affordable too. Home Depot still carries it, so if you'd like to check it out, it's called the Husky Adjustable Height Work Table. I saw there's even a version now that has two shallow drawers right under the top surface, which look perfect for storing cutting mats and rulers. I'm thinking about picking up the new version myself. It's super sturdy and comes in several different lengths too. I just love when I find sewing room solutions in an unexpected place. Hi, I'm Elizabeth, art director for American Patchwork and Quilting. Now this might seem like a very small upgrade, but I recently purchased a continuous spray bottle to use with my iron for pressing. I originally purchased this refillable bottle to use on my somewhat wavy hair to help reactivate the curls with water. However, after realizing how awesome this product is, I quickly moved it from my bathroom and into my sewing room. Before I started using this spray bottle, I relied only on the, my iron spray and steam features, which always sprayed water unevenly on my fabric, and I just felt like I was constantly having to refill the water chamber. Well, not anymore. I have zero complaints with this spray bottle, and I am so obsessed with the super fine mist it produces. It quickly covers a large area of fabric. Now, I don't personally use spray starch very often when I'm pressing and quilting, but if you do, you can also use a spray bottle with your favorite liquid starch. I simply can't recommend this spray bottle enough. Hi there. My name is Joanna, and I'm the editor of Quilts and More magazine. One thing I've done to upgrade my sewing life over the years was to get a design wall. I always envied other quilters who had them, and I would imagine how nice it would be to have a spot to audition my fabrics and my quilt blocks. I used to sew on the dining room table, and there was never room for me to set up a design wall. I've since learned that there are portable design walls you can get, and I so wish I knew about those sooner. My first design wall was just a flannel sheet that I had pinned to a wall of my apartment. The pins weren't quite sturdy enough though, and if I put too many quilt blocks on it, the whole thing would fall down. It wasn't ideal, but it was the best I could come up with at the time, and it was better than nothing. It made me want something better, though. Now I have a design wall that I made myself from foam insulation boards that I got at the hardware store. I found a package that had a set of six styrofoam boards that just happened to be the right size for my half wall. I sew in a finished attic, so my walls are a little short. I glued several of those boards together along their long edges to make a big square. Then I wrapped it in batting and flannel, stapling the fabric to the back side of the foam boards. I thought it would be difficult, but the whole project came together fairly easily, and it was nice and light, which was a bonus. Originally, I was going to keep it portable, but ultimately I decided it made more sense to mount it to the wall. It's sturdier that way, and my pieces fall off less often versus moving it around. I've had it up for a couple years now, and I love it just as much as I thought I would. Often I use it to store blocks, 
for my current projects, or even to pull out UFOs I'm trying to find motivation to finish up. It's a good visual reminder to see my progress and encouragement to finish up projects that I might have forgotten about if I had just stored them away. Hey, it's Lindsay. I just loved hearing all of those sewing life upgrades. It's so inspiring. And I added a few on my list to try and buy. <laughs> we're going to take a quick ad break, but when we come back, we're chatting with Amy Smart. Hey folks, it's Hunter Lewis, Editor-in-Chief of Food & Wine. This fall, we're launching the new Food & Wine Classic in Charleston with our partners at Southern Living and Travel and Leisure, and we want to see you there. This incredible three-day culinary experience will showcase the hospitality, food, drinks, and culture of one of our favorite cities in the country. Join us September 27th to 29th to learn more from iconic chefs, share a glass with innovative wine experts, and get to know Charleston with one-of-a-kind experiences curated by the experts at Food & Wine, Southern Living, and Travel and Leisure. Tickets are on sale now at foodandwine.com forward slash Charleston Classic. That's foodandwine.com forward slash Charleston Classic. See you down in Charleston. Welcome back. I'm handing the mic over to Joanna, the editor of Quilts and More, for her chat with Amy. Enjoy! I'm here today with Amy Smart, who is an active quilter, pattern designer, and fabric designer for Riley Blake Designs. Many of you probably know her from the blog Diary of a Quilter, which she's been running since 2008. I'm so excited to get to chat with you, Amy, so we're just going to dive right into the questions. So the awesome. first question is, give us a little background about your life as a quilter. How did you get started quilting, and what projects do you love to make? Great. Well, I have always, I remember taking, uh, being infatuated with my mom's sewing machine as a really little kid. She did a lot of sewing, so I give a lot of credit to her for really um, helping me get started. She did hire someone else to give me sewing lessons. We had a lady in our neighborhood that taught sewing lessons. I think and now I've done the same as a mom. <laughs> but um, that's where I really learned to use a sewing machine and make clothes. So it wasn't until about, uh, probably about the time I got married. So it's been almost like 24 years is when I started really quilting. Um, I had, my mom had taught me to hand piece and I'd made a couple of things. Oh, I was maybe like a teenager, but when I got married, when I made my first real quilt, and then a few years later had a baby and and made another one then, and, and then just kind of kept going from there. It's amazing that you learned from your mother. I feel like many quilters start with their mom, and then it just takes off from there. Yes. Yeah, I, I feel lucky. She definitely was the first one to introduce me. So your professional quilting life is so varied between designing fabric lines, patterns, running a blog. What inspires you when you're creating? What do you do when you find your inspiration is lacking or maybe even your inspiration has been sapped by other things going on in your life? I, I know this is something we've been hearing with the pandemic that, you know, some quilters yes. are just, I have all this time and I just don't have that creative energy. Yes, it's been so interesting. Yeah, that that um, irony of having more time but less motivation. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and I've watched that come and go in waves for me this past year. And I, I used to joke that I never could sit and watch TV um, without having something in my hands, like binding a quilt. 
or something. And I would say in the past year, I've probably laid on the couch and watched more TV with my kids than I have in years with nothing in my hands. <laughs> like I've just been sitting there. So I'm not alone if that's how you felt. But other times that way will come back and I will feel motivated. I know for me, um, uh, organizing my fabric is, mm-hmm. it's like going in my own little fabric store, I guess. And that, I mean, because going into quilt shops is always motivating. I love going in quilt shops, and they always are inspiring. And so even just kind of cleaning out my own fabric or organizing it, that gets me motivated. Like, that gets me inspired to to sew and to and to make something new or to finish an old project, things like that. Well, that's great. Do you have a particular way that you like to organize your fabrics? A few years ago, I finally started organizing by color. Before that, I'd, I'd worked in fabric stores, so I knew how fabric collections worked, and I kind of tried to keep projects together by collection, but it was just, it kind of just got messy and out of control, so I kind of just revamped everything, and mostly it's by color. I do have things like my flannels in one place or my vintage, you know, 1930s um, reproduction prints in one place, things like that, but... Um, mostly it's just by color. I do keep all my solids separate. All my solids are, but they're again, grouped by color too. For some reason for me, um, color order really inspires me. So that's, that's the, I think that's one of the reasons I'm motivated to do it that way. Yeah. Great tips. I know for me, I did the same thing. I used to sort, um, more by like type and size and now I just do color. Right. It's, it's easy and it inspires you when you look at it cause it's so pretty. Yes. Yes, and I and I'll say I do the same with my scraps. Mm. I I tend to keep the bigger yardage or fat quarters, you know, on, on one set of shelves, and then um, I went and bought those clear plastic bins mm-hmm. and that are drawers typically, and um, that's where I throw my scraps. And I have a red drawer, yellow drawer, you know, I, I organize those by colors too, and yeah. I'm way more motivated to use them that way too as well. Because you know what you have. That's a great tip. Right, right, and they look prettier. <laughs> <laughs> So changing topics slightly, you run a very active blog over at Diary of a Quilter, and I remember attending a talk you gave at a professional event about how you've used social media to help build a quilting community up around you. How did you get started with that blog, and how did you build up that quilting community? I just feel so lucky to be creating in a time when um, we have the opportunity to make all these connections through social media you know I I think of my mom's creative journey and that just didn't exist when she was sewing she would go take classes at her shop which or or join a guild and um which I I still think are wonderful things to do I hope people keep doing those forever um but I started writing my blog when my children were young I had a two-year-old and a four you know little kids at home and um I discovered other people writing blogs about quilting and I felt like I found, I didn't have a lot of real life friends at that point or my age who also sewed uh, or particularly made quilts. And so I felt like finding this community was such a gold mine. It was so inspiring and I felt like all these kindred spirits that I connected to. And so I was sewing a lot at that point. I was working in a quilt shop and making samples and had a lot to share. And so I just, I said, I'll I'll start a blog too, and just started sharing from there. So it's been, uh, I never would have imagined back in 2008 where that journey would take me, where starting a blog 
would take me or the opportunities that would arise from doing it. So I say, if you're on the fence or you want to make start making connections with people, just jump in and start sharing what, what you're creating. Do you have any practical advice, like a particular platform you like or a way to jump in if someone wants to start getting into the social media quilting community? Such a good question. I think Instagram is excellent for if it's something you would, you just want to, um, a place to share. And all, I mean, it's so nice also to record memories and, you know, it's kind of an online journal of, of our creativity. It's, it's awesome. And, and Instagram's a great place to connect with other people as well. If, if it's something you're just doing for fun and connection, I think Instagram is great. Facebook has also become a great spot for joining groups or um, there's so many online quilt groups. It just amazes me. I think, however, if you are trying to build a brand or a, a business, I would highly recommend starting a blog. And it's easy to get discouraged there because blogs, they have changed from, you know, when that was pre-Instagram, pre-Facebook, that that was how people were sharing. But in terms of longevity and being able to build a business where you can, people can find you through Pinterest searches or um, Google searches, then then having a blog is really key. And, and I think... The key is consistency. It doesn't mean you need to do it every day or three times a week even. I mean, just once a week or twice a month or whatever you feel like you can be consistent with, I would just start there. And and don't don't get discouraged if you feel like, oh, nobody's seeing this or no one's reading this. It takes time for people to find it. But as you consistently share and people see that you are showing up, and they, they'll find you. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's great advice, especially as a lot of people move from um, it just being like a fun hobby into maybe trying to take right. it to that next level, make it more of a, mm-hmm. a brand or a business. Uh, is there anything that has... I'm oh, sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, just to add to that, you know, either it doesn't need to be both. I mean, you really can just do it for fun. Not everybody wants or needs to build a business, but if somebody did want to, then that's options there as well. Absolutely. Uh, I was just going to ask, is there anything that's surprised you over the years that you've been running it? Um, You already mentioned a little bit about the um, influence of Instagram, but anything else Mm -hmm. that maybe has surprised you? Um, Just about my own personal experience or about like the... The the landscape in general. It is interesting to see how... um, how, you know, things do change over time. I remember when I first started, people were sharing on blogs and then Flickr was kind of a photo sharing location. And sometimes those places we get excited about and are most comfortable with, they leave or they stop being supported. So I think you have to plan to be a little bit adaptable. Mm-hmm. Um, also, algorithms can be frustrating with, you know, Instagram or Facebook. You don't and they get change. control they change. You just kind of have to be willing to be flexible. But that's another great plug for, for doing a blog or an, an email newsletter that, that you always control. Who gets to see that and, and what, what's, what's there. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Hey, it's Lindsay. So sorry to interrupt, but we need to take a quick ad break. We'll be back with Joanna and Amy in just a minute. Uh, so besides being an active quilter, I know you're also a busy mom. 
How do you find balance between your personal and quilting life, especially during this last year when so many schedules got upended? Do you have any tips for how to manage your time and do all the things you need to do? Oh, this is where I feel like I need other people's tips. <laughs> it has been a tricky year. It's I had suddenly I went from, you know, at least having a good portion of my day all to myself where I could get on a roll and get things done to by last spring I had all four of my kids, including my two daughters who were away at college all mm. back home. There were some things that were really fun about that and I will have good some good memories of that those that time with my older kids but it's been a journey and it's been hard to find carve out time I guess I've had to kind of just in some ways let go simplify a little bit because of the inconsistency I now have uh, my youngest son is home almost full time and I'm homeschooling which I'd never planned to do so that (laughs) does create new challenges and and being flexible. I I feel really lucky that I have a job that I can do at home and around my own schedule. Um, So that's, that's a definite bonus. I'm really thankful for that, but it has required a little more discipline, a little more um, flexibility and kind of just letting prior prioritization, I guess that's, I've had to learn that. You know, it's actually nice to hear you say that because I think a lot of us assume we're doing something wrong when it's like, yeah, it's, it's been rough, you know, like sometimes time management yeah, is has. just very hard. So. And it's hard when you're kind of emotionally sapped too, which we all have been this past year. So yeah, yeah. Some, I think giving yourself grace is a good thing. I was actually just about to say that exact same thing. Really? Yeah. Yes. Uh, So I'm excited to introduce our readers and listeners to an upcoming wall quilt pattern that's going to be in the summer issue of Quilts and More. It's called Brilliantly Made, and obviously you made it for us. It's so clever because it looks like lots of mini star blocks and maybe like, oh no, there's lots of piecing in this, but it's actually one repeated unit that's just done in different colorways, which saves so much time by having fewer seams that you can chain piece. What are some of your favorite time-saving tips for either creating patterns or sewing your own projects? You know, I I credit my short attention span. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always looking for shortcuts. I love strip piecing for that reason. Like, what's the most efficient way I can create what I'm what I have in mind? I'm always looking for efficiency and and time-saving tips. So, like chain piecing or um, I, I've learned to do as much of, like, if I'm making a bunch of repetitive blocks, I'll do all my cutting at once and then all, you know, piecing the steps at once rather than piecing a block, starting over cutting. I think, you know, stacking up like tasks on top of each other saves a lot of time. Assembly line. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so finally, I love just hearing what people are currently working on. So do you have any current projects you can share with us? They can be personal or professional if you are at liberty to share. Or what are some of your favorite projects to make in general? Sure. I just released a fabric collection, and that is always a ton of work and preparation, and it feels so good that it's finally here. So I'm finally actually doing some sewing for fun. And I just made a baby quilt for one of my best, my oldest friends just had a baby and it was so fun to finally get to make that for her. And um, 
I've been piecing. I have a Union Jack quilt pattern. I've been piecing a lot. I made her a Union. We were roommates in London as college students, so it was really fun to have a good excuse to make a baby Union Jack quilt, babe, pink and blue and girly looking oh, I, little quilt. I so love that. It was Such really great fun. memories. Yes. Fun to have the sentimental value attached to it. Yeah. And congratulations to her. That's always exciting. New babies on the way. Yes. Yeah. Um, so finally, I just have a few short answer rapid fire questions. So number, okay. number one, what's your favorite quilting snack? Peanut M&M's. Okay. Ooh, good choice. Um, yeah. Pre-wash or don't pre-wash? I don't pre-wash. You know, I think a lot of people actually don't. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like fabric quality is ever improving. It's just really good. Mm -hmm. What is your go-to color palette? Red, white, and blue. You know, perfect for summer. Yeah. What is your current obsession? Oh, that's a tricky one. Um, cleaning out my house. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's I what I don't hear often. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I want to do. Yeah. I think being home all the time, like, I'm just ready to purge. So yeah. Good. You see things that you were able to ignore before. I know how that goes. Yeah. Yeah. And finally, what is your favorite thing about your sewing space? Oh, it has two sunny windows. I love it. It makes me just brings great light in my room. I love going in there. Oh, that is awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Amy. It's been a pleasure. And I just love hearing all your tips. Thank you. It's been so fun to talk to you too. Hey, it's Lindsay. I just loved hearing this interview. Amy is just like your quilter next door. She's just so relatable and just wants to create and connect like we all do. As always, we'll link to Amy's website and social media accounts in our show notes so that you can connect with her more. And like Joanna mentioned, Watch for a fun project from Amy in the summer 2021 issue of Quilts and More magazine coming in May. I've seen the quilt and it is on my to-make list. Everyone have a great week and we'll see you next week in April. all and thanks for listening keep in touch american patchwork and quilting is on facebook pinterest and instagram at all people quilt email us at apqpodcast at meredith.com resources for this week can be found at allpeoplequilt.com slash podcast and if you love the american patchwork and quilting podcast please subscribe on your favorite podcast app for free and don't forget to rate and review the show it helps other quilters find us have a creative week.